know, because I had such a tough childhood where I wasn't accepted and the bullying really left a lot of uh, wounds in me, I wanted to know how to please people. I wanted to know how to be accepted. And that was a big driver in my life. So I actually did listen a lot to what people told me I should be doing because I felt like that was then what I should be doing because then I would get their love and acceptance. So I did really great. And, um, This is Scratch Your Own Itch, the one show that delivers the conversations that we're afraid to share, but need to. This show is all about creating a life worth living. I'm Logan Tyler Nelson, and I'm your host. So you're going to hear conversations with creators and entrepreneurs talk about what they do, their current and past traumas, how they became who they are, and what they are truly curious about. This is the show where we talk about the things we think about a lot, but need to talk about more. Please take note that this show is not a substitute for actually creating a life worth living, because this show will stir your beliefs, make you question what it means to create a life worth living. So my promise to you is to always give you one question to answer for yourself today, to start turning your dreams into a reality. you. Yeah, just you. So my curiosity question is, have you ever lost someone that you loved so much that you felt like you lost your identity after losing that person? Well, first off, I want to let you know that you're not alone. Okay, let me set the tone. One day you come home and you find out that your most prized possession Not something that can just be bought and sold, but someone that you truly love is no longer around, nowhere to be found. You wish you could just bring that person back in, but the only place they live now is inside your memories. If this resonates with you, please continue to listen because my guest today is an absolute saint when it comes to dealing with a loved, lost one. My guest is Gladys Otto. She's a psychologist and a personal growth and leadership mentor, speaker, and author of the book, The Good Goodbye, How to Navigate Change and Loss in Life, Love, and Work. And she's had an enormous impact in my own life with dealing with my loss and the loss of my mother. And I can't wait to have this conversation. And I can't wait for you to Meet Gladys Otto herself. So without further ado, please give a warm welcome to Gladys Otto. How are you doing, Gladys? Oh, Logan, thank you for such a beautiful intro. I'm great and really excited to be here with I you. I am too. I uh, am so happy that I I came across you. And um, I, I want to just like start off with, because the mission of the show is really to make people feel less alone and uh, scratch your own itch, my definition of it is to solve a problem in the only way you know how, and also just being really curious about life. So I'd like to kind of start off with um, 
what your story is. And uh, I know we could probably go on for 14 hours with that. So that's a big question. But um, it was sort of just, I think, a more specific question I have is, what are you most curious about in life? Mm, that's a great question. I, people. You know, I, I've always been very curious just about people dynamics. You know, how do people relate to each other? How, how is it that people get triggered in life? Uh, what do we do when we are burdened with pain? And this curiosity really stemmed from me just being born into this world, very sensitive to people's energies. So even as a little girl, just really picking up on the energy of a room and noticing dynamics that weren't spoken. So really paying attention to nonverbals. And growing up, it was in part to not only try to figure out my world, but also really to understand how to keep myself safe. And this really came from a place of just having a very, very traumatic childhood where my world wasn't safe when I went to school. You know, I was bullied and I was completely ostracized. And the levels of, of pain that came with that were so enormous that as a little girl, not knowing what to do with it, my way of staying safe was to try to become invisible. So I had to learn how to not be seen and not get draw attention to me by being really as small as I possibly could. And that really came with just trying to figure out how do I function in this world where I, I don't feel like I am being accepted or I'm being invited in. So in a way where you, when you do grow up in a world like that, you pay attention a lot to people and to signs. And I think that's really what motivated in me growing up and really being interested in psychology. So going to graduate school to become a doctor of psychology gave me not only a deeper understanding and a foundational knowledge of those people dynamics that I was picking up on as a little girl, but also what to do with them, right? Because it's one thing to sit in this really, really painful place and be aware that you're in pain and that you're suffering, but it's another thing to acknowledge the suffering and then be able to move through it by using tools and resources and supports to really heal and grow from it. So I feel like my journey in life to becoming a psychologist and being able to do my own healing work really gave me the tools that I needed to now be in a place where I can empower other people through my message. Wow. Uh, wow. Uh, that's amazing. Uh, so, so amazing that you just gave yourself uh, the courage to just I want to say to just go out there instead of um going out and trying to be someone that you're not to finally go out and say like, you know, I just want to be myself by, uh, and the reason why I'm saying this is because of the immense amount of hardship it is to just go. I'm really curious about this loss that I've had recently in my life. Um, and to actually like become, uh, an expert in that area. Um, which is like really hard to do because, I think it's the hardest thing for someone to go like the thing that I'm struggling with most is also the thing that I want to be an expert with because that just does, it's kind of like money in a way. Um, people say like either money makes someone bad, but really money just becomes a thing where you become more of yourself and the same thing with becoming an expert in something. I think you just become more of yourself. Um, 
mm-hmm. which uh, I'd love to ask you then do you think that uh after going to school and everything like that did you find yourself uh listening to what everyone else was saying that you should do and how did you actually like go no I need to follow this one path which is to just uh continue on this deep questioning of what it is to lose somebody and to heal them mm-hmm. with that yeah, I I think I've done both, you know, because I had such a tough childhood where I wasn't accepted and the bullying really left a lot of uh, wounds in me. I wanted to know how to please people. I wanted to know how to be accepted. And that was a big driver in my life. So I actually did listen a lot to what people told me I should be doing because I felt like that was then what I should be doing because then I would get their love and acceptance. So I did really great in um, in doing what people expected of me. And I, I really think that that was such a powerful force in my life that led to something very positive. You know, it got me on a very successful career path. I went to college because of it. Uh, I come from a very big uh, family where very few of us have actually gone to college. I was the first um, in my, I have 50 first cousins, just to give you a sense of how enormous my family is. So out of 50 first cousins, I was the first to uh, go to college and graduate. And then the first, obviously, to become a doctor. So you know, from that all came because, you know, I was told I needed to go to college by my father. So I did. But when I got to a point in my career where I was now in a position of leadership, so I, I was very early on in my career, given these beautiful opportunities to, to lead a community, to lead a department or a group of people to certain outcomes and goals in an organization, I, I started to have to do that internal work to understand who was I and how do I want to show up as a leader? And that really took me on a whole different journey where I had to clearly get to the bottom layer of who Gladys was so that I was understanding how I showed up every day. And I really believe that that's a lifelong journey. You know, whether you're dealing with a loss of somebody that you've loved, whether you're stepping into a new situation professionally and you're being called to stand up in more leadership you have to be so aware of who you are as a person. And without that awareness, you're just going through the motions and you're not able to tap into what is it that you personally need to stay the course and to be able to ensure that you're fulfilling your own personal needs so that you can show up even more powerfully for other people. Oh, wow. Uh, I love that you talk about leadership because I think leadership is um, one of those things that I, we just don't have enough of. Um, I guess we have a lot of people calling themselves leaders, and, and I don't want to like call anybody out and say that uh, you know you're a bad leader if you, if you do X Y Z for your your team. But I do want to talk about how you had maybe met a few people in your own life where they're mentors to you, and who who were those people that really taught you how to be a a better leader of your own. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a tough one because I feel in some ways I didn't have a lot of good role models for how to be a leader. And, you know, I'm, I'm a Latina woman and, you know, being the first to go to college, uh, there were very few people like me, um, in, in the environments that I was in. So, 
I ended up feeling even more isolated because there weren't other brown-skinned people, you know, in the, in, whether it was in the classroom or whether it was in the boardroom or the meeting room. And because I was young also, I, I think that really it made it harder to know who I could connect to that I felt got me that I could look to and say, okay, I want to be like them because they, they are like me. And that was really a big struggle for a big chunk of my career was not having uh, mentors or role models that I really felt that I could emulate and look up to. Now, down the road, when I started to enter into positions of leadership um, in some organizations that I was with, I had, I did come upon a few good mentors who really helped me understand where I could develop in my own leadership. So uh, one in particular, Lucille Sansing, she really, she was my boss and she gave me the opportunity to step into a position of uh, leadership as a vice president of a university when I was pretty young. I think I was 34 at the time. So she saw something in me and that was really amazing that she could see it. I didn't see it in myself, but of course I wanted to please people. So when she offered this opportunity, it was like, yes, of course I want this. And I was very driven and motivated to keep growing and succeeding. But that journey was really tough because because of all these factors that I'm sharing with you, as far as, you know, not being one, a minority, not fitting in, being young, being a woman, being a Latina, and not knowing really who was I as a leader and who was I more importantly as Gladys. And so she really gave me beautiful opportunities to reflect back to me where I was struggling and how it was that I could better understand how to develop as a leader so that when I was moving forward in my career, I wasn't getting hung up on parts of my development that were more about just me being new to it all. So I feel like her guidance really helped me blossom in a quicker way. Um, she also taught me that leadership is an art, you know, that if you show up to work every day, I remember her saying this, like, Gladys, if you're coming here to work to make friends and to have people like you, you're in the wrong business because leadership is, is so much more than just getting people to like you. And you're going to be struggling if that's really your one motivation. So I remember taking those words and being like, oh my God, how does that work? Because I want people to like me. I genuinely do. And being able to hear that leadership is an art. It's a lifelong art. You don't master it one day and then you get the certificate that says you are a leader. You're constantly evolving and growing. And I'm such a big advocate and believer that for those of us that know we're on a leadership path, the two critical components of being an effective leader are personal growth and self-awareness. And those just happen to fit in very, very nicely with my own personal motivations that we talked about earlier as far as wanting to understand how people worked and how I worked in this world. Hey, Logan Tyler Nelson here. I would so appreciate it if you took some time to hit the subscribe button. I really want to just honestly live and give. Why? Because I was told when I was young that if you're feeling down, the best way to feel better is by lifting someone up again. So in an effort to make someone feel less alone, please hit the subscribe button so the podcast has a better chance of being found and making someone feel less alone. And if you're feeling down, hey, it can help you. Know that by hitting that subscribe button, you just did someone 
a huge favor. So thank you for hitting that subscribe button. Wow. Oh my God. I, you, you definitely struck a chord with me in this idea of leadership because I realized that um, when you're your mentor i don't know if you want to label label her as a mentor but when she said to you you know it's a it's an art to be a leader it's a and you're you're in the business of of not like really making friends and and i realized this with one of my old teachers uh from acting school which uh you know people would even say like wow when Catherine gately walks in the room it's like the entire room has changed the environment the atmosphere the gravitas is just completely different and it was because we now had a different relationship with her um, when it came down to talking about work within our art, talking about acting, talking about what our role was within this production. And it was very serious. And, and it was, uh, we were sometimes always on edge. And, and, you know, when the fear would kick in, it was like you were in fight or flight mode and you didn't need any caffeine that day at all, uh, knowing that that you had to just be on your toes. And, uh, and so I talk about that because it's, it's amazing as, as leaders to know that, yeah, we can have business relationship, but there's also going to be another role that we play with when we're off duty and we're off, uh, off the clock that we need to just be, uh, have fun. So I want to ask you, where do you find, um, where do you fit joy into life? Um, into, to really sort of like, because I think joy is just, I think work is very important, but joy too is, is also a, a very important thing to me. Yeah. It, joy to me is the foundation uh, for, for how one chooses to live a life. I, I, I see joy separate from being happy, right? That joy is almost this undercurrent that that runs through your life that infuses everything you do and so joy can be present when you're feeling grief joy can be alive when you're stressed out um so i i see it again as a foundation almost like it's the the running back background in your life story um and that took a while to really start to understand and really develop and and nurture and mainly because my career was so stressful. My, my early childhood was very stressful. I, I feel like I've grown up in a very stressed environment. And so for me, finding that joy really was a conscious choice that I feel like I have to make every single day, right? To nurture this foundation that I've chosen to live my life on. And then how it shows up, you know, every day in terms of actions. To me, it's really more a, a way of believing, Right. That if, and it's so funny because this weekend I had a beautiful um, ceremony that I participated in. And a big part of how we live our lives is determined by our thought process, right? How we perceive what's going on in our life. So if I show up every day perceiving that my life is crappy and things are hard and I'm struggling, I will create the conditions for my life to be hard and for me to struggle. It's just how we work. And our brains are programmed to do that, right? So all of a sudden now we're searching the world for evidence that life is hard and that life is a struggle. And then we selectively only pay attention to those pieces of information and stimuli outside of us to reinforce this belief. 
So if you choose to wake up and you believe that your life is full of joy, and again, it doesn't mean happy rainbows and unicorns. It just means this like deep sense, foundational sense of knowing that your life is joyful. You will look for the evidence in your life and create the conditions for that joy to thrive. And this really does shape so much of what I do in my work. It's that I, I'm very much an optimist. You know, I, I'm a realist too. I am constantly driven to perform better. I love moving up the mountain of success. I see challenge as opportunity to really dive in deeper to becoming stronger and seeing my own resilience. And that all comes from a place of joy. So to me, it's, it's such an important part of how we choose to live our lives and to understand that being joyful, again, is not being happy, more so it's really about how it is that we choose to view our life as a foundational asset that we can hold oh, on to. I love that you're talking about like, you know, perspective and, and what you tell yourself, because I um, recently uh, uh, wrote a first draft of a book uh, and I really talk about the two consciousness that happen in it. And it's all about the story that you tell yourself. And um, I think you kind of mm-hmm. touch base on that. You know, if you, if you tell yourself the story that, um, you know, oh, yeah, gosh, why does this always happen to me? Like, I feel like, gosh, like I'm always a person that's getting screwed and scammed and gosh, like uh, why, why do I have to always be late or barely on time to things like, that story that you tell yourself can be very flipped over to just going, um, you know, why not me? Or, or, you know, how, how do I really go? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I am boring to, I feel boring instead is cause I, I tell you what, you know, as well as I do that feelings can feel very honest and truth, truthful in the moment, but they're not the real thing. So just because you feel boring doesn't mean that you are boring. Um, <laughs> true, um, very true. But anyways, yeah. I really want to kind of like pivot a little bit cuz I really love the first of all, the name of your book, The Good Goodbye, to me was like really 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 oh sorry, something just went off my phone. Life is happening. Um so so <laughs> I want to get into the the good goodbye. Where did you come up with that name? That's like to me I just want to talk about the name overall. It's just really to me very very interesting. Yeah. Well, I I did not coin the name. So I don't even know who came up with that phrase for the very first time, but I think we've all heard it, right? The that how, you know, being able to say a good go find the good and goodbye. I think that's a, a common phrase that we've heard is just how do we look for the good in moments where we're surrounded by loss. And my biggest loss in my life happened when I was uh, 28 years old. It was 2003. That's when my mom passed away. And her sudden death completely rocked my world. So I, I was not expecting her to go at 54 years of age. I was very close to my mother. And at that point, I just it was something that had happened that was so unexpected that I had seen her the day before the next day she was gone, that my world just completely flipped upside down in, in a, in a moment. And this, the story is in the book, you know, but what I found was a huge blessing and I feel truly was a gift from her at her funeral. And in the moment where we were getting ready to bury her, I was 
just confused with tremendous joy and celebration and a feeling of just like my heart bursting open. And in that moment, I completely accepted her death. I knew that this was exactly what was meant to happen. I knew that she was completely happy and at peace and celebrating her new state as a spirit. And that moment of acceptance completely transformed my grieving process. I've grieved, right? I mean, she's been gone for I think 14 years now, I, I grieve all the time and my grieving process is constantly evolving. And one thing that I gave myself permission to do early on in my grieving process was to spend the rest of my life grieving her. And it doesn't mean that I'm still in that overwhelmed state of agony and despair and feeling like my heart's been ripped out because you do heal with time. But I make a lot of room for my grief to show up whenever it needs. And I find that that gives me such peace and it helps me actually connect to her in an even deeper way. So having this amazing experience of losing my mom and being in deep agony, but then feeling this amazing sense of celebration and joy at her funeral, that paradox for me was a miracle. And I know it was her gift to me. And through that, it gave me the ability to understand that even in times of pain, even when we're saying goodbye to someone we love or to something that we've held on to that we valued, we can find joy. We can find gratitude. We can find acceptance. And that is the good that comes with loss. And so for me, you know, being able to find the good and goodbye was just a personal philosophy that I carried with me since my mother died. And it, I didn't really talk about it. You know, it wasn't like I sat down one day and said, Oh my God, I know what this is. It's called a good goodbye. And I'm going to teach this to other people and practice it. It was just more of a, I lost my mom and I felt this amazing joy and I felt this horrible pain and they both can coexist. So in pain, there is joy. So now when I'm going through pain, whether it's a breakup with a, with a loved one, or if I lost a job or if a friendship ended, I know there's going to be pain, but I know there's also joy. So let me find the joy. Where, where's the good in this? And I was just constantly driven to find the good, whether it was lessons learned or being able to find a way to say goodbye and, and with, with good grace, uh, which was very hard for me for many years, or being able to just appreciate what I had and hold on to the memories of what I gained from that experience that I could use to keep evolving into the best aspect of, of who, or the best version of, of who I can be in life. Oh, wow. One thing that I really think sticks out to me is this sort of like there's pain and joy. Um, and I think our brains like to believe that mm -hmm. uh, it's just the one you're either on, you know, uh, Route 66 joy or you're on Route uh, 90, you know, uh, pain. And I think there is, yeah, that dichotomy that happens um and correct me if i'm wrong uh but the sort of like it, it it's a wave like yeah they, they're they're just kind of intertwined with one another but at the same time you know i don't know if anyone has that 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 the experience i've had at a funeral where um i know i've had it where one minute i'm like sobbing and then the next second I'm like laughing hysterically and it's like I'm a freaking drug addict because I, I have these these two <laughs> like huge waverings of emotions just happening with myself. And um, uh, so I kind of want to like talk about that, like what your, your experience was. 
and I know this is a very vulnerable situation, but your own experience with uh, the funeral of your mother and, and, and really going like, and thinking about uh, what kind of thoughts did you have at the funeral? Um, just because I know the thoughts that I had at my mom's funeral kind of shape the way mm -hmm. I uh, think about my life today, even now. So it's, um, I know it's a very vulnerable uh topic but if you could please share that would be incredible yeah well like i was sharing earlier i i showed up just in complete shock uh, but but had this profound moment that i wasn't expecting you know so it's when i showed up to the funeral and and this happens you know from a, as a, from, as a psychologist to be able to explain it you know physiologically we are in complete shock and so you you get to this place where you are just focusing on breathing. And, and that's exactly where I was at. Just getting out of the car, I was trying to just focus on breathing and seeing clearly because the tears were flooding my eyes and I, I couldn't see very clear. And when we got out of the car and to the cemetery where we, we were going to bury her, you're just filled with such immense pain and you can't make sense of it all. Your brain almost doesn't know how to work. It's kind of on the temporary hold because it's just trying to keep you physiologically stable. So you're in this space. And then all of a sudden, as I shared earlier, I just was infused with this tremendous sense of celebration and it came out of nowhere. I knew in my heart, it was my mother reaching out to me. I felt her spirit celebrating and dancing and being so tremendously joyful. And in that moment, I blurted out, mommy is so happy right now. And it was me blurting it out that made me realize, wait a minute, what, what, sh wait, she's gone. I'm at a funeral. Oh my God. And my dad snapped back and said, yeah, you know, to acknowledge that he heard me, but then also like, what the heck was I saying? And I remember feeling like, that was my mom. I just, I just felt my mother and she's gone. So I just felt her spirit and that sense of overwhelming celebration and love and gratitude. And then the grief combined in it, it left me pretty confused, but also just very clear that what she gave me was a gift. And as I shared earlier, it was to find acceptance, to really understand that what her leaving this earth was exactly what was meant to happen. And this was the best thing for her and for our family, even if I was, it was going to take me forever to figure out why, but it left me in this place of really deeply knowing that, um, she was going to be part of this no matter what. And she is, you know, every day that I walk this, this life here on earth, she is with me and she's guiding me and it's, it's pretty tremendous. That is so amazing. That is incredible because, uh, um, have you ever seen the movie uh, Finding Neverland? I don't think oh, so. Uh, you've got to, uh -uh. I, I think you really got to check it out. It's with Johnny Depp. And um, there's a scene at the very end because um, Kate Winslet's in it. And I don't know the boy's name, uh, the, uh, the actor's name. I forget it. But he's in uh, a couple of TV shows still. But uh, there's a scene where... where um, Kate, uh, Kate Winslet is gone now. She passed away and Giant Depp is, is sitting next to this boy and this boy is, is grieving with um, the fact that now uh, his mom's gone and 
And he just, I remember like it was yesterday uh, while watching this movie that uh, he, he said, you know, I thought she was going to be here forever. And we think like our parent, parents are going to be yeah. here forever, right? Like we never really, especially as kids. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and he said, he, my boy, my boy, she still is. And he was holding a, a book in his mm. hand and there was no pages uh, that had a single piece of writing on it. It was just a blank book. And he, he opened up the book and he said, she still lives on every single one of these papers and inside your imagination. Um, I know, Aww. right? And I just, ah, I want to cry right now because um, I can think of that scene and, and I think about that scene quite a bit because I think for anybody that um, has lost someone uh, can know that they can still live with that person even though they're not here anymore. And I think that you kind of, your book, like, does that for somebody totally allows them to give themselves the permission to accept the fact that yeah someone's gone but that doesn't mean they're actually gone and gone forever yeah so. mm -hmm. yeah they take on a new if we choose to believe it you know and again we, we, this goes back to just how we believe and what we believe in our life, right? The perceptions that we hold. But if we choose to believe that our loved ones that have passed on, that they still remain with us and are guiding us and and keeping us company in this life, we will find the evidence that they're there. And and it's amazing that the more you nurture that, the more you get the signs. And because they're they're around us. Oh, always. I so agree. I, it beliefs too have been a very big part of this show for me now too because i think uh beliefs can drive someone i uh, honestly and it's very sad to talk about but uh drive someone from taking just a few thoughts into putting a very permanent problem to a very temporary or yeah very permanent pro putting a very permanent solution to a very temporary problem that's what i meant to say um and uh, yeah, because mm -hmm. you may believe that you're nothing to this world and you may believe that you, you're, you know, you're never going to fall in love. And just those few thoughts may lead to a very um, sad ending. But I want to switch over and uh, do what I call uh, scratching the surface curiosity questions, which is a mission of uh, just having some fun, learning a little bit more about you. And then also... Um, uh, okay. just uh, making some people feel less alone. So um, whenever you're ready for it, we'll get into that. I'm ready. Okay. Let's do um, it. So the first question is sort of a givings, giving question. Um, is there ever a thought that's ran through your head recently or, or maybe a thought that you keep having during the day uh, that's mm -hmm. made you feel ashamed or made you feel guilty or you feel bad about it, but you know it's just a thought and it's not true <laughs> the first thing that comes to mind is that i'm not playing with my dog oh. enough <laughs> so i i have a i have a little dog her name is lovebug um she's a rescue she's two years old and she's such a gift she's such a blessing in my life and because i work from home at my computer she, I'm with her all the time because she's home with me. And this little girl just wants to play all the time. <laughs> and so while I'm working, she'll just sit there and stare at me and then, you know, bring her toy over and then stare and stare and stare. And 
so a running thought that I have is I'm not being a good mom. I should be spending more time outside playing with her, but I got to finish this one more email or, okay, after the next, uh, you know, project step is done, I'm going to go outside and we're going to go for a walk. Oh, but I got to get this one more thing done. And so to me, this really is, um, you know, to take it a little bit of a broader scope, it's really reflective of just guilt that I have around how I'm balancing my own life, you know, and knowing that there's greater balance that I can have. Um, not that things are ever perfectly balanced because it, it, like you said earlier, it's in waves, but that I am learning how to redesign a life that does not require me to be completely stressed like I was for the majority of my life. And so I'm unlearning uh, how to show up each day and and really be present um, with my own needs, with with the needs of my dog love bug, and be able to rework my days so that I'm not just constantly stressed out trying to plow through everything that I need to get done. And and that does I, I would say that that's a guilt that I do carry with me pretty regularly. I find that so strikingly crazy that when you start to work from home and you have just you. You want to like, it's just uh, a habit to want to push yourself. If you've had that past of, of just um, being under constant stress. And I'm sure we could talk about that, that subject for a whole nother episode. Um, <laughs> but um, I love, by the way, your names, you're a good namer, love bug. That's an awesome name for a dog. Amazing. I'm going to go to you, no joke, when I have my first baby and go, what should we name her or him? Oh. Um, thank you. Thank ready. you. I know you will. That's why I'm coming to you certified. Um, the uh, next <laughs> question is, I want to know uh, what's something that most people don't know about you or, or something that you don't really share very often? You put it all on the line, right? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I'm, pr I'm pretty open book. Yeah, my mom, when she was around, she used to tell people, she goes, my daughters are so different. You know, Gladys, she tells you everything. She'll even tell you the color of her underwear. And my, but Jackie, she's, she's more particular about what she shares. So, so yes, I am a pretty open book, but I, at the same time, I'm not, you know? And so I'm thinking, what, what do most people not know about me? You know, the first thing that came to mind was that people would probably be very surprised to know how much I worry uh, about how well I'm doing in life, you know, that um, I've accomplished a lot. And so if somebody were to look at my resume, they're like, what are you talking about? You worry about it. You've been a president of a university, you know, you've, you're a doctor, you got your book out. But I worry a lot about how um, I'm received by people. And that really stems back to my childhood uh, and, and sharing with you just, you know, how traumatic it was to grow up and be bullied by my peers. It left some really deep wounds in me. And I, I know that even as much healing work as I've done, it's been an area that I haven't wanted to really go deep into because of the pain of re reliving the memories of what that experience was like. And so I know it's, I don't even want to call it a shadow, but I think I know that the parts of me that really suffered that I carry with me today, um, those parts of me are very sensitive to how other people receive me. And so, you know, if, if I feel like somebody is not receptive to me or they're critical or they're judging me, it hurts. 
and and I want to fix it, but at the same time, I've also had to learn that you know the the more that I do this work, where I'm putting myself out there as a public figure, I can't make everybody happy, and that that's really my work to do personally, and not get caught up in that web of trying to make everybody happy at my own expense and really letting go of that so that I can focus more on what's really allowing me to shine because it lights my own heart up and I can have confidence that however I walk my life, that the right people will be drawn to me. Hey friends. So let me ask you real quick. Are you someone who's trying to get more visibility? Who's trying to be in front of the crowd well if that's you i want to let you know that first of all you're not alone second of all if you want to get on more podcasts or ones that actually scratch your own itch meaning maybe you have a book or a business or maybe you do speaking or if you don't yet do speaking maybe you can and maybe you'd love to well I put something together for you and in this little giveaway I'm going to show you how to pitch yourself or podcast and how to actually be professional when you show up so you can be the next authority in your niche so you can start scratching your own itch. I know what it's like to build something, create something and then there just be crickets. No one wants that. You need to be seen. You need to be heard because you have a message to share, a message that is worthy of hearing. Podcasts nowadays, more than ever, are being consumed by people. And guess who's actually learning the knowledge that's being shared? It's podcast listeners. It gives you a license to be an authority in whatever area you really dream of being an authority in. So if this at all starts to give you a little itch to scratch, just email logan at logantylernelson.com. Again, that's logan at logantylernelson.com. That is so amazing that you point that out that uh that's just kind of part of the work now for you is the more you put yourself out there um the more potential uh backlash there may be and you just can't you can't make everyone happy and that's uh that's hard to swallow <laughs> like really hard to swallow because you just want to especially when you're a good person like yeah. yourself like you just want to help everybody out and um and uh even if that means sometimes yeah. um uh changing up your own own personal philosophy which is most important to me in order to try to make someone happy but uh i want to ask you that 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 uh what is like your definition of of loss what does that mean to you because i think there's a multitude of of definitions for loss Mm -hmm. Loss really is that moment where where an attachment that you've had to someone or something that you value feels like it's gone or it's threatened or it's changing. 
So, you know, loss to me happens every day. And, and I think the experience of loss is very different than the actual reality of loss. And a very concrete example is that we're losing cells all the time, right? Like right now, as we're speaking, we've probably lost a million cells, but those cells are being also reborn and renewed in our body to keep us moving forward. So we are surrounded by loss at every single second of our lives, but our relationship to loss, our response to loss is where we then feel the pain. That's where the dread comes in. That's where the pit in your stomach starts to form. That's where your shoulders slump over and you maybe start to feel sad or anxious or angry. It's because of the stories that we have around what loss means that we then experience loss in the way that we do. And I think that in our society, we have not been taught that loss can be joyful Loss is normal. Loss is actually a part of our life at every waking and sleeping moment. And so therefore, when we do experience a loss, we really struggle because we just oh, don't have the tools wow. to know how um, to cope. That is beautiful. Uh, uh, it gives me the shivers kind of like just like saying like, yeah, I have lost a million cells in in the last like, uh, I don't know, 10 minutes that I've been talking to you. But that doesn't mean that... Uh, you know, you're losing, I think it's a constant, uh, uh, you're losing, but you're gaining at the same time. Um, but I really, yeah, what hundred percent. Oh, I have yeah. a huge question for you, uh, because I think it's just really important. Um, because you're just a hard worker. Do you feel guilty when you're not working? Like, do you feel like true guilty? Like, like sometimes like you just feel really bad and down about yourself when you're not working on something. That's awesome. No, <laughs> not at all. You know, no. when I, you know, the, when I, I am a hard worker, right? I mean, it's just, it's part of my DNA. It comes from my family, from both sides of my, my, my mom and my father. I'm very disciplined. I, I'm a top performer and somewhere along the lines, I also learned, and I think it, it, I do really think it was observing what was happening in my family. My mom had three wow. jobs for about 17 years of my life. So every day she'd wake up at 10 PM at night, she'd go to the graveyard shift at a chicken processing factory where we lived. And she would work there until eight in the morning. So midnight to eight, then she'd drive to a local bakery and she'd work there from 9 AM until 4 PM decorating cakes. And then she would come home, make dinner for the family, and then start cooking her own or baking her own cakes for her own cake business that she started in her home. And if she managed to get to bed by 5.30, 6 o'clock, it was a miracle. And we would, I mean, we literally would like push her to go to bed because she was constantly driving and like, I got to do more, I got to do more, I got to do more. And if she managed to sleep three hours or four hours, it was a good thing. But if you can imagine, you're not really sleeping, you're barely falling asleep. And then you might have one complete REM cycle and then you're up and then you have to do it all over again. And she did this for 17 years. I know this is partly why she died so young. I went into graduate school and I think just knowing how this was impacting her and seeing her suffering and knowing that she was doing it for my sister and I to have a better life, that made me feel guilty. So it was like, I'm not going to waste this opportunity that I have. I'm here getting an education because my parents are really suffering and pushing hard to make this happen for their children. 
but I'm also not going to suffer like her. And so I would take the weekends and I still do. And my weekends were my time off. Like nobody touched my weekends. My sleep is very important to me because she didn't get any. So I will not hold meetings, um, be, you know, before a certain time when I naturally wake up and I won't hold meetings late into the evening when I've got plans. Uh, I do really relish my fun time to make sure that I'm my cup is full so that when I'm working, I'm as productive yes, as I possibly I, can I'm be. I'm so happy I asked that question for you um, or to you just because I know that there are so many people out there that, uh, well, maybe just that one person right now that deals with it. I know I can talk to that one person that does feel guilty when they're not working because it's a hard um, switch to turn off sometimes. I know for myself, it's... Uh, I, I still, as, as much as I try to go like, whatever, I don't care about how this works out. Everything ends up working out anyways. There's still that switch inside of me that just wants to keep going and going and going and going and going. Um, so. Oh, yeah. Well, and, you know, it's it's great to pay attention to that switch because sometimes we keep going and going when we're so passionate about what we're doing, right? And that's just drive, right? Like you're just so immersed in it, you can't stop. That's great. As long as you're feeding yourself and you're sleeping well, that's great, right? Like work 10, 12 hours. But if it's coming from a place of fear that you're, you're being driven because you're terrified that if you don't do this extra thing, that everything's going to be screwed up and then you're going to be screwed and your life is going to be screwed. That's a very different energy and that will deplete you. It will burn you out very quickly. And I've been burned out before I was burned out. Um, at least when I like self-diagnosed in 2010, I mean, I, t five more years after that, I was working in a very stressful environment, completely burned out, but I was still performing at the top of my game. And it's just, it's very important to pay attention to that differentiator. You know, are you being driven to work because you are just passionately loving it and you're inspired by it and it's filling you up and you're maintaining balance by taking great care of yourself and your health, your well-being, or are you doing it because you're freaking out and you're just terrified that if you don't keep working nonstop, that everything's going to be ruined and pay attention, paying attention to that can really help you understand yeah. where well, your motivation I'm is coming from. I'm nodding my head right now, just grinning like crazy. Cause it's just, uh, it is just, uh, it's so true. Um, it, the Russians would say if you sn sneezed right now, uh, it would even become more true. So I love that so much. Um, it's just so true. Uh, <laughs> anyways, I got two more questions. And then um, I know because you're a busy, busy, busy gal, you got to get on here. And I would love for anybody that's listening to this to listen to Gladys talk for hours and hours because I, I know I could. And um, honestly, I just want to know like how, how anybody that, that is listening to this, and I know we here on Scratch Your Own It would love to support you. So how can we support you? Gosh, there's a couple ways. You know, one, if you haven't gotten your hands on the Good Goodbye book, I would be honored for you to read it. Um, so it's available on Amazon. Folks can look up my name, Gladys Otto. My last name is spelled A-T-O. Uh, or just type in Gladys, The Good Goodbye, and you'll find my book. The full title is The Good Goodbye, How to Navigate Change and Loss in Life, Love, and Work. So that is a way that people can really get to learn 
more of the philosophy that I've been talking about today and also get a really great resource for how to go through your own losses in a way to create a good goodbye. And then secondly, if, if folks are wanting to dive in any deeper and connect with me, you can go to my website. It's drgladysauto.com. So D-R-G-L-A-D-Y-S-A-T-O.com. And there you can actually get a, a free gift that I created. It's a beautiful 30-page uh, workbook to help you create your own good goodbyes in your life. So it really complements the book, but you don't need to have the book to get the workbook. It is free so people can get a taste again of my work. And then also you end up um, becoming part of my online world. So I do follow up regularly um, through email with people that have joined to be part of my community. And I talk about everything from loss and change to leadership to stepping into being a confident, high demand expert in your field. I've got so many areas that I'm personally passionate about. Uh, Marie Forleo calls them, I think, multi-passionate preneur, multi I forgot the word that she used, but basically being multi-passionate. And I'm, I'm definitely one of those. And so that's two great ways to start to get introduced to me and my work. Hey, Logan Tyler Nelson here. I would so appreciate it if you took some time to hit the subscribe button. I really want to just honestly live and give. Why? Because I was told when I was young that if you're feeling down, the best way to feel better is by lifting someone up again. So in an effort to make someone feel less alone, please hit the subscribe button so the podcast has a better chance of being found and making someone feel less alone. And if you're feeling down, hey, it can help you. Know that by hitting that subscribe button, you just did someone a huge favor. So thank you for hitting that subscribe button. Awesome. Yeah, I'll put um, put her links in the show notes so you can find those, no problem. And then also, if you heard anything that I said or Gladys said that really resonated with you, like a quote, oh my God, you need, you know you need to just take time to Instagram or Facebook or tweet about it and get in touch with one of us and I didn't make this podcast to just be a podcast where you listen to it and then you hit the next podcast, like you just because you want to just find a, a new thing to busy your brain with. Like I made this podcast so every single one of my guests are just their opportunity to become friends with you is enormous because mm. why they like they they want to be in a in a new friendship in a new relationship with you, someone that that's really curious about this thing that we're talking about or wants to just solve their problems with someone that's just one step in front of them and Gladys is like a thousand steps in front of me um but uh I I really want to just um say please uh don't don't wait another second it does not take long I even put my phone number in the show notes just because I hate email I get it some people are not into email some people are not into taking more time out of their day to try to play the whole texting game and stuff. So um, even that way, like, just please uh, don't take another minute. And then I'd love to ask Gladys, the last question is, um, is there anything that you, you would like to say or, or maybe a question that you wish I asked you? I think we covered so much ground today. I'm actually <laughs> very grateful for the conversation. So I think just to leave it with 
you know, for anybody that's listening, if you are in a place where you feel like you are struggling or you're stuck in life, or maybe you know that there's some unhealed wounds that you have from a past loss, it's really allow yourself permission to be able to let go of any feelings that you can't move on and to really give yourself the grace of understanding that you deserve to live a complete, full, joyful life. And there are ways to make that happen. It is a process. It's not an overnight fix. But that when we can look at our past losses in the rearview mirror and keep moving forward, uh, knowing that we are destined for greater things, I think that's really where you do allow yourself the opportunity to find the good and goodbye. Wow. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I guess we'll leave it off there and uh, we'll end it there. And I, I, I hate goodbyes, but this is a good goodbye, right? And so um, thank you so much, Gladys, again, for being being on the show and, and, and also just taking the time. And it's been an incredible, incredible uh, conversation. So I can't wait to keep in touch and stay in touch with you. Thank you so much, Logan. there's another episode of scratch your own itch uh thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to support the show by listening um the biggest compliment you could ever pay me is just by sharing this because honestly it doesn't take much and it feels so good when people create something and take time and when i see someone take time to create something that really just changed my day either made me feel less alone, maybe put a smile on my face, made me laugh, made me feel wiser. I always want to share it with the world because why? When I share something that resonates with me, why not share it? I mean, that's just kind of the thing that goes around and it's free. It takes no time at all other than just a click of the button, share. On either Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, any of those social media platforms would be great to share this. So I really appreciate it. And I want to say that um, anybody who's looking to gain authority or expertise in their area and they don't want to take another year or year and a half to write a book and wait until that's published, I think the best way is right now is to start a podcast. So if you're at all interested in starting a podcast, if you meet the certain requirements, I would love to help you with a podcast and also get a website going for you as well. And this is not an easy task. It's hard to actually get it done and get it out there. So every now and then we need some help and I'm here for you. So please reach me at Logan at LoganTylerNelson.com if you're interested at all. And don't ever forget, you matter and you're enough.